Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. And welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I'm your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy. And this week, we bring you a special one. We have Dr. Angela Fedahunsi, who is a allergy and immunology specialist, who's going to be schooling us and educating the Lunch and Learn community on allergies, on sinuses, what are some common uh, things we can use to kind of treat our allergies, and how a lot lot of us may be using a very common product wrong. I know at least I was. Before we get on with the show, I want to talk a little bit about her so you can kind of know exactly how credible this person is. Because again, I think with the Lunch and Learn community, I want to bring, you know, specialized guests who know what they're talking about. And, you know, this one's uh, no different. She earned her medical degree from the University of Texas. Uh, she completed her internal medicine residency as well as her specialty in allergy immunology fellowship at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis. Uh, Dr. Angela combines knowledge with compassion, and she is proud to offer allergy and asthma relief for her patients. She knows firsthand how it feels to have allergies to keep you up from enjoying the beautiful world around you. And as a result, has become an empathetic doctor who always takes time to listen to your needs. And of course, for a lot of my allergy sufferers, especially in the lunch learning community, um, this is actually a topic that we've been really wanting to get on the show for a while. This is a very common reason why patients walk into the hospital. It's the very reason why patients walk into the doctor's office. It's actually one of the one of the more requested topics from the lunch learning community that I wanted to get on. And, you know, I, I didn't feel like I would do it as much justice if I didn't have, you know, someone specialized to come and talk and uh, school us a little bit about our allergies and our sinus problems and, you know, what we can actually do about it. So, you know, sit back like always. If you have not had a chance, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you uh, leave me a five-star review. Leave Dr. Angela a five-star review. Let Dr. Angela know how well she's doing. And uh, you guys have a great and blessed day. This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. All right, so all right, Lunch Learn community, just heard another great introduction from a guest who, uh, honestly, I've actually been kind of looking for. For uh, those who know, who've been following the Lunch Learn community, I've been looking for an allergist for quite some time just to kind of uh, talk about, you know, allergies and sinuses and, you know, everything, whatnot. And of course, you know, I've, like I said before, I know uh, a little bit about a lot, but I always whenever I can try to get an expert on um, to kind of talk and educate us uh, here. And, you know, that's what I have today. Right. So again, Dr. Angela, thank you for coming on to the show. Thank you. So okay, first of all, I gotta, I gotta, you know, again, we, we, we heard the introduction, you know, we heard the bio, um, but for those who, again, this may be the first time they're hearing about you, can you uh, give them a little introduction on who you are and, you know, you know how you got to where you're at today? Absolutely. So thanks again for having me. Um, I'm Dr. Angela Fada-Hunsey, as you um, 
mentioned in your introduction, originally from Louisiana, grew up in a town called Lake Charles. And then after graduating from high school, went to college at Xavier University of Louisiana, which is in New Orleans, um, medical school in Galveston, Texas at UTMB, and then all of my postgraduate training in um, medicine was at University of Tennessee. So internal medicine, residency for three years, and then allergy fellowship for two years. And now just recently opened my allergy practice here in the Dallas, Texas area, um, northern suburb called Wiley, Texas. And, and we're definitely going to talk about that, especially, especially I love, you know, not only do we love, you know, being able to educate the lunch learning community, but I love physician entrepreneurs who kind of step out. And especially in this day and age where, you know, owning your own stuff isn't really, you know, champion or really encouraged. And, and I can say this, I'm a program director uh, for a term of medicine residence. And I can say that, you know, a lot of times I think graduate medical education doesn't prepare us enough for it. So I definitely want to talk a little bit about that towards uh, the end of the show as well. Just like the thoughts of like owning your own business, which is very, very impressive, very impressive to me. So uh, I'm an internist and, you know, you're an internist as well, but you also went and got so specialized in allergy and immunology. Like t- tell us what was, what, what drew you uh, to that field when, when, well, during your residency? Yeah. So I um, honestly, you know, allergy is, is such a small field when you think of a lot of the other subspecialties. And so it's not very well known. I wasn't aware that the field even existed until I was in college. Um, and so that at that point, I was already pre-med, kn- knew that I wanted to be a physician, wasn't sure exactly which route I was going to go once I got it into medical school and then, you know, residency thereafter. But um, it was pretty much a personal experience. The primary care doctor that I was seeing referred me to an allergist during um, my college years. And I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, I've been suffering with allergies all of my life, you know, as long as I can remember from childhood and just never had a name for what it was. Just thought that was just, you know, you know, sinuses as we call it, but didn't realize that there were things that you could actually do about it, ways to investigate it. And so when I started seeing an allergist and then subsequently um, being treated, um, realized, wow, this is awesome. You know, what, what, capabilities we have um, available as allergists can be really life-changing as far as the quality of life um, day-to-day for people and the symptoms that they suffer with. So that's what drew me to it, um, learning about it through personal experience and then also really seeing the benefits of, of the care of an allergy specialist. No, you know, that's very interesting because I always wonder, like, was it like, where, where did you have a lot of allergies kind of growing up? And then <laughs> especially as what I find uh, when I was taking care of patients outpatient, you know, they come to me, they have some issues, you know, upper respiratory infection, come back, have some, and they would just keep coming back and forth. And then finally, I had to say, like, hey, I think you need, uh, I don't think this is just a regular infection because you shouldn't be having this over and over again. Like, do you tend to find yourself getting a lot of those types of patients where, you know, they've been through the ringer, they've had the antibiotics, they've seen the urgent care, and nothing kind of seems to help them. Yes, yes. I, I mean, that's most of what I see when it comes to what we call allergic rhinitis or, you know, hay fever, seasonal allergies, whatever label we want to give it. Um, it's people that have been dealing with these symptoms for years um, and really are kind of at their wit's end of like, okay, what is going on and what can be done about it? Um for me, the, the first time I remember an experience um, of, you know, 
now identifying that I was allergic was in um, elementary school. We had a field trip to our state capital in Baton Rouge, and there's this really pretty hill that comes um, that rolls down the front of the state capitol. And we were in maybe second, first or second grade, I can't recall. And everybody thought, oh, it'll be fun to roll down the hill together. So we did. And I got up itching, sneezing, um, watery eyes, you know, redness, all of that stuff. And again, never understood exactly what that was and why the other kids didn't feel the way that I did. Um, And then same thing, just, you know, seasonal allergies all the time, every year, it was always the same thing for me. And so, yeah, most of the people that I see have similar stories where they've been suffering for a long time and just are kind of, you know, stuck and don't know what else to do and and where to turn. You know, it's very interesting. I I was definitely the same way where, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't a kid who played in grass. I wasn't a kid who liked to no, because I I would get short of breath, I'd get a lot yeah. of welts and all of these things. I was, I was like the kid, like I wanted to be clean the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's how kids are. You know, they don't have a name for it, but they know that it doesn't make them feel good. And so they just naturally start to avoid, and adults too, naturally start to avoid the things that are triggers, um, you know, because even though they don't really understand that it's necessarily a trigger, I know when I play in grass or when I'm running around outside, I don't feel well. So I'm just not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where we come in and we can, you know, do our best to try to um, get to the root of what's going on and provide answers about how to deal with it. So for, for the lunch learning community, they love to hear numbers, right? Because a lot of times uh, I don't think they can grasp like how serious, you know, every disorder, every disease we tend to talk about. Um, is on this podcast, right? So I want I want to just give you some numbers, lunch learning community, just so, so you can understand how important that we really should be thinking about allergies. And, and we'll we'll talk, Dr. Angela, as far as like because I feel as a subspecialist, a lot of times they get cases maybe a little later than they should. I, I'm just I just that's always my personal thought. I never know. Um, so from an allergy standpoint, right? Allergies are the sixth leading cause of chronic illness in the United States. They cost about 18 billion a year, and more than 50 million Americans suffer from allergies every year, right? Just so you guys can get an idea of like how important her field is uh, to just health and just wellness in general. This is very interesting. I was like, I was almost shocked by those numbers. I was like, wow, I yeah. didn't. <laughs> it's very, very prevalent, very common, absolutely. Now, are, are you, especially in your field, like, is there some allergies that you find are the worst than others that are more common than others, like, as, as you're, you're, you're practicing? Um, as far as more common, I'll start with that first. So certainly, you know, springtime and fall seem to be the seasons that people in general suffer more, um, at least in my experience, um, those seasons tend to be um, more common as far as, you know, people complaining of symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so fall, you know, being ragweed, spring being um, tree pollens, which is, you know, a multitude of different types of tree pollens, grass pollens, um, et cetera, during those seasons. Um, jumping back to one particular or a certain group being worse than others, um, it's really a, it's a really subjective um, answer for that because everybody's different, of course, you know, and so um, some people it's, you know, just a little bit of over-the-counter Zyrtec or Claritin or whatever does the trick and they're fine. But some people can have, another person could have the exact same allergies or sensitivities and they're miserable 
you know, they've got asthma related to it as well. And so their symptoms um, are now being, you know, the, the triggers rather are now exacerbating their chronic asthma issues. So it's, there's not necessarily one particular thing that's worse. It's really just about the quality of life that that particular person um, has, you know, when dealing with whatever their particular allergies are. Okay. Now, um, so we're gonna get we're gonna get personal, right? Because I got in lunchtime community, I'm gonna talk about myself a little bit uh, <laughs> because I I need to talk about sinuses, right? And I'll give you my little backstory. Uh, like I'm from I'm from South Florida, mm-hmm. and I went to school in Tallahassee, which is North Florida. When I was in South Florida, I didn't have any issues. I was fine. No watery eyes. No stuffy nose. Nothing. When I went to school at Florida State, all of a sudden, summertime, springtime comes around. You, I would just be watery, eyes tearing up uncontrollably. It had nothing to do with nothing. Stuffy nose. It was, I was absolutely like, I don't know what it was up there um, in, at, in Tallahassee, in that area that like caused all these problems. Uh, but I got to know, like, what, what are we doing for sinuses? Like, let's talk about sinuses in general. Uh, because like, I, like I, I'm, I'm biased. Right? I feel like it's an epidemic, right? It's going everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have friends who follow me on Twitter. And, you know, we're like literally every Monday, like we'll say like, hey, how you doing? How's your sinuses? Like, how's like, did you make the weekend? Like, that's <laughs> like a running joke with us because it's just it's something we don't look forward to. Yeah. So, um, of course, over the counter treatments is where everybody starts. And that's what we recommend as well. So Zyrtec, Claritin, Allegra, um, whatever your preference is, I usually encourage people to not do Benadryl just because of the sedating effect of it. Um, and it usually is not as long lasting, whereas the other ones you can take once or twice a day um, and, you know, be covered as far as your symptoms are concerned. Um, From there, if that's still not giving you um, resolution of your symptoms or, you know, improving, you know, your symptoms, then the next step is your nose sprays. And nobody really likes the nose sprays. I try to get my patients to do that. Yeah, but you know, it actually works better than the than the allergy pills or you know antihistamines do. It cover more as far as the symptoms that you're experiencing, especially the congestion that a lot of people suffer from. The allergy pills themselves or antihistamines rather don't um, don't have any effect on that. They're mainly for the sneezing and you know a little bit of what we call the the rhinorrhea, so the runny nose, but. When you're thinking of the congestion, that's where your nose spray comes in. And what I find with a lot of people is um, they're not using it correctly, and so they also, for that reason, are not getting that you know the benefit of it. And you've got to use it for at least two to four weeks consistently to really get the optimal benefits. So there's a couple of things that go into play as far as getting, you know, what you can are the best relief from the nose spray. So I always make sure that I educate people when I'm starting them on a nose spray or when I'm seeing them for the first time about the proper administration techniques so that they're getting what they, you know, getting what you paid for, basically not kind of wasting your wasting your money and wasting your time by doing it. Now, once you've done those two things, if you're still not having, um, you know, benefit or relief, then that's the point where you need to see a specialist, you know, whether it's your um, primary care doctor discussing with them what your options are. um, And then from there, they can determine, you know, okay, well, let's go ahead and send you to an allergist or coming straight to an allergy specialist um, is, you know, of course, an option as well. So, 
that is the gist of sort of where we start. Um, and then, you know, the other thing too is with what we offer as far as medications, we're just treating the symptoms, right? We're not dealing with the root cause. And that's where the allergy specialist can come in as far as identifying what exactly is it that you are sensitive to that's causing you to have the watery, um, itchy eyes, the sneezing, the runny nose, the congestion, you know, post-nasal drip, whatever your symptoms are. Um, And finding those triggers and then educating you about what your options are to deal specifically with those triggers instead of just, um, just medicating the symptoms. Now, I know, especially from the trigger standpoint, like I, I tend to think uh, when I'm educating my patients, like I always think about like, you know, the trees, which is such a, a, a bland term, because what does that even really mean? Yeah. Right. Like I say, oh, well, you know, the trees and pets, like that's what, those are always my two biggest things. But are yeah. there are there other common triggers that, you, that you've seen that some people like tend to neglect? Um, those are, those are pretty common ones. Another one that, um, especially for people that suffer year round. So, you know, there's certainly people that are just springtime, just fall time, you know, just summer, whatever the season may be. But then there are people that have triggers, um, or symptoms year round. And one thing that we always consider, of course, is pets. Um, do you have a dog? Do you have a cat? Are you exposed to a dog or cat on a regular basis? And is that causing your symptoms? But then dust mite is another common what we call perennial or year-round allergy. Um, And that kind of varies depending on where you are um, in the United States. But in general, if there's, I shouldn't say any amount of humidity, but a decent amount of humidity, then you're going to be exposed to dust mites. And where dust mites accumulate the most as far as our exposure levels on a day-to-day basis is in our bedding. So your pillow and your mattress. And so when we can identify dust mite as as a trigger or a sensitivity or allergy for a particular patient, then we can counsel them on ways that they can minimize that exposure. And that's where you get your, you know, dust dust mite proof covers for your pillow, um, your mattress and and bedding, um, washing your sheets once a week and hot water, your linens and hot water to try to minimize that risk um, or exposure rather on a day-to-day basis. So that's one that doesn't always come up, but is very prevalent. Um, And then, like you said, you nailed it right on the head with, you know, the trees, of course, being a big one for people that have spring allergies. And like I mentioned before, fall, um, ragweed is is pretty common in a lot of places in the United States as well. I know here in South Florida, um, we we tend to deal with not necessarily trees, but more like an environmental issue because they burn sugar cane. Uh, during times of the year, and we we see a lot of you know the the all- quote unquote allergy. Which again, I think allergies is such a basket term. I think a lot of people call everything allergies. Wow. So I so I, I never really know it's just allergies. Like I don't I never really know. But like they you know the 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 burning of sugar cane tends to cause a lot of these quote unquote flare ups of allergies and some environmental issues as well. Yeah. So yeah, it could, it could certainly be. Um, but then also, of course, when you've got, you know, smoke exposure or, or just things in the environment, um, chemical substances or um, things of that nature, irritation as well can cause similar symptoms. So, but hard to say for sure, but yeah, definitely a consideration. Now, especially, yeah, it was, I was, what I was interested in, because I know we talk about allergy immunology, but like mm-hmm. asthma, 
especially in your practice is a big uh you know i guess component of it like how how much in in relation to just allergies in general like does asthma play a role or is that more from the immunology standpoint from your training no so it's it's all linked together so people that have allergies um are at risk for development of asthma there's actually something that we call the atopic march um, with children so um, kids, you know, can start off with eczema, so, you know, the dry, itchy skin, um, irritated skin, and then that can progress to allergic rhinitis, so all of the nasal symptoms that we were just discussing, um, and then from there, it can progress to asthma, so the respiratory issues, the coughing, wheezing, shortness of breath, um, and the link between all of that is whenever you have asthma, especially if you do have an allergic component or allergic asthma, as we call it, um, knowing your triggers is very important because it's going to help you identify and your allergist or your primary care doctor identify what seasons to be extra, extra mindful of, you know, keeping a close eye on you. If you've got a ton of tree allergies, then when springtime comes before springtime comes, I need to make sure that you're, you're, you're good and you're well controlled because we know that those tree pollens are coming and those triggers, those allergens on top of your asthma history puts you at risk for what we call exacerbation. So worsening of your asthma symptoms um, or, you know, poor control of your asthma symptoms leading to hospitalizations, um, urgent care visits, ER visits, steroid burst. Um, so yeah, definitely a huge, huge link is leap link, excuse me. Um, especially in the pediatric side, but also in the adult side as well. It's very, very common for the two to kind of go hand in hand a lot of times. Now, before we, before, cause I, I definitely want to delve into just, you know, your, your, your business quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, now, I know you talked initially about how a lot of people are using these the nasal inhalers wrong. Like, how, how do you use that wrong? Yeah, so the, the proper <laughs> way to use your nose, like, so your Flonase, Nasacort, Nasonex, that's what I'm referring to when I say nasal sprays, um, is to, when you stick your, the nozzle in or the, you know, the, the tip into your nose, um, you actually want to angle your head down. So I always tell people nose to toes. So have your head down a little bit. And then when you stick that nozzle in or that, that tip, you're ang- you should angle it towards the outer corner of your eye. So angle it out on both sides whenever you enter yeah. it. And what I notice is a lot of people don't, of course, do that because they've never been told. And that's understandable. It's really kind of strange that at least the ones that I've seen, I've never seen the instructions written on... <laughs> on any information that I go home with the patient. So it's understandable that people don't know that. Um, So that's the first part of it, making sure that you're angling it towards the outer corner of your eye, top of your ear on either side. The other thing is a lot of people do like take a big deep sniff in or inhale in. Don't do that. (laughs) When you do that, what you'll do a lot of times is, have that medication go right into the back of your throat and people, a lot of the complaint that people have is, well, I don't like the way it tastes or, you know, you're not really supposed to taste it. It's supposed to stay in your nose. So when you feel it going down the back of your throat, then you've probably inhaled too deeply or, you know, just basically sucked it down into your, um, into your throat. And it's not really penetrating and getting to the tissue that is swollen and, and causing you the problems as far as the allergy symptoms that you're experiencing. So those are the two biggest things. 
pointing it towards the outer corner of your eye, and then just take a natural inhale in. You don't have to do anything extra as far as getting that medication where it's supposed to go. Lunch learning to me, I just want to let y'all know, like, uh, I am 0 for 2 on (laughs) uh, use, because I thought for, I don't know why I thought for sure it had to, like, point in towards, yes, okay, all right, all right, so we see, we all learn here, Lunch Learning Community, we're all learning. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's funny, okay, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about your practice, right, let's talk about, you know, why you want to start your practice, like, what was some of your motivations behind it? And then, and then eventually what we need to let people know how they can come see. Yeah. So for me, I'm, I was really fortunate with my uh, allergy immunology training experience. We have the opportunity, of course, it's an academic institution. So we train, you know, with, with lots of great experts on the academic side. But then we also had the opportunity to work with private um, practice allergists who were out in the community um, and affiliated with with our university. So I had the chance firsthand to see the best of both worlds, the pros and the cons of staying in academic or being in an employed position, as well as the pros and cons of doing it on your own. And being in private practice appealed to me, um, but then also what I felt the allergists who were owning their own practices, you know, what they really appreciated about it um, drew me as well. And, and so that led me to decide, okay, you know what, not only am I going to do private practice, but I'm going to open my own practice and do it, um, do it on my own. And, and what, what I hope for with my practice is that I create an environment and an experience that people don't necessarily see um, in other, other practices or other medical offices. And, and I can kind of steer the ship the direction that I wanted to go um, without having to do a lot of, um, I don't want to say negotiating, but you know, when you're the the leader of whatever situation, when things aren't going the way that you want them to go or the, the way that you feel is in the best interest of your patients, it's up to you. And it is ultimately your decision um, to change, change the direction of things. Um, and I just wanted to have more control over what I was able to provide for my patients and, and always feel like um, there wasn't anything hindering those decisions. And that is, uh, that's the reason that I decided to do it um, for myself, to kind of start afresh and build something that I could be really, really proud of um, and, and be a part of for the long run. I love it. So as, as an internist, are you only seeing, like, again, I tell people all the time, if you're 17 and below, I don't even want to. Are you only, because it definitely still like there's a lot of overlap, but do you only see like, you know, adults and up? Is that, is there like a cutoff for you? No, I see, I see children as well. So allergy is one of those unique fields where um, we cross train to see both adult and pediatric patients. So actually, um, me coming from the internal medicine side, it's a requirement. And, you know, same for my co-fellow who was coming from the pediatric side. It's a requirement that at least, I think the percentage was at least 60% of your patient population um, be from the other side, you know? So for me, ah, okay. as an internist or internal medicine um, physician, it was required for me that at least 60% of my patients be pediatric to meet, you know, the standards of ACGME for my allergy fellowship. And so 
a lot of what I saw was pediatric, but then I also had the chance, of course, to see lots of adult patients. So I feel very comfortable seeing both. Um, and even down to like age four months or so, um, we would see patients, especially with the newer recommendations for um, early introduction of peanut for kids that are at risk for development of peanut allergy. Um, and eczema, of course, um, is a big thing for infants as well. So all ages come into my practice, um, pretty much birth to to old age. <laughs> oh, wow. that's, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Like I said, you, if you're... If you're 16, 17, I get weary. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see it on younger. That's that's great. Is yeah. that, that question, especially in, in your practice, is there is there like common things that you know issues that people kind of deal with on a day to day basis, but they don't even realize that they're actually dealing with an allergy problem? Um, I think a lot of what we talked about is is that you know, like you were mentioning, you have patients that come in and they've always got you know bronchitis or um, quote unquote sinus mm-hmm. or, um, sinus issues or, you know, whatever, you know, terms people like to call it. Um, and a lot of times that is just plain and simple, what we call allergic rhinitis. There's an allergy trigger to it. Um, and if we can identify that, then we can, you know, give you answers and, and work on getting you feeling better and getting you feeling well. Um, so that's the most common thing. And then of course, sometimes it is in allergies. It may just maybe something else, but certainly making sure that that's crossed off when you've got somebody coming in with the same seasonal complaint year after year after year um, is definitely warranted. Now, when should, and speaking, speaking as an internist, when should I be sending my patients to see an allergist? And if you're just a patient out there who you've been dealing with these issues, like when should they be coming to see you? I I usually tell people when over-the-counter stuff is not working well enough for you. So, and that's, again, a subjective thing. If it's bothersome to you and what you're doing isn't helping, then that's when you need to see an allergist. Um, Like I mentioned, for some people taking Claritins or Tech or whatever over the counter is fine. And they're like, okay, I'm good. You know, whatever. I can roll through spring, you know, with a Zyrtec a day and I'm okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Whereas other people, it's like, no, I'm miserable. You know, I'm my head is always hurting or, you know, I'm always sneezing. I can't get my work done. And that's another thing too. It, you know, it, it affects quality of life, but it also affects people's productivity at school and at work whenever they aren't feeling well for whatever reason. Um, but certainly if you're having to blow your nose every 10 seconds and, you know, you can't breathe out of your nose well, or your eyes are always watering. I mean, just imagine dealing with that for a season at a time or constantly on and off all year, um, how productive will you want to be when you're feeling that way? So once over-the-counter isn't working, um, then that's when I suggest people see a specialist to get to the root of what's going on and try to get answers about what they can do. All right. Again, doctors, again, I want to thank you for, you know, really helping enlighten, especially me, but definitely the lecture community on, on allergy because it's a topic like I said it's it's been so requested that I said okay I, yeah. I, gotta, I gotta I gotta find one and I found you I was like, like I gotta make sure I, I jump at a chance before we let you go hi, question I like to ask is like how can what you do empower others to really take better control of their health yeah so I think anytime we can have answers about what's going on with our bodies, that's the start of taking control. You know it's hard to take control when we don't really know what's going on 
um, or what can be done about it. So anytime that I can give answers to people, um, it's, it's such a relief for, for me to be able to provide that answer. But it's also, of course, a huge relief for other people when they can point to this is the reason why I don't feel well. So I think that's the gist of it. Um, it empowers people because they now have an answer. And then once you have an answer, you can work towards a solution. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's all about just trying to provide, um, provide answers and give people the knowledge that they need so that they can have that quality of life and productivity, you know, and just be able to be able to enjoy the everyday things that, um, that, you know, we want to enjoy going outside, taking a walk, you know, breathing fresh air and not feeling miserable, you know, minutes later. I love it. I love it. So where, where, where can, where can someone find you? Where can someone find you? Whether it's social media, where do your physical office, like where? (laughs) My office is in Wiley, Texas. Um, It's a suburb of the Dallas um, Metroplex. So Northeast um, Dallas suburb. And as far as online, you can reach me online through uh, either of my social media pages, Facebook or Instagram. Um, on Instagram, it's at Allergy Wiley. Um, so all one word and Wiley being spelled W-Y-L-I-E. And then on Facebook, it's Allergy and Asthma Care of Wiley. So either of those places, send me a message. Um, there's also an email, of course, on my website, www.allergywiley.com. And you can communicate with me that way as well. Perfect. And again, if you're driving, you know, at work, wherever you're doing it, I, all her links will be in the show notes as well. Uh, so you can, you know, get directly in contact her and get your, get your allergies right. Get your yeah, she just, she just wants to get you outside for the summer, right? <laughs> right. Enjoy some fresh air. Take a walk. Stay healthy. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. Like this has been absolutely amazing, and I already know we're gonna have like people jumping for joy, uh, being able to kind of learn, especially that nose thing. Like I said, I'm over two, y'all. So we need to be two for two after this episode, everybody. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of The Lunch Learner with Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today. If you have not had a chance, please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening. If you already listen and you've already subscribed, make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is. And if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes, always head over to lunchlearnpod.com. That is lunchlearnpod, all in one word, dot com. And you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode, especially the one you just listened to. And I'm going to see you guys next week. You guys be blessed. Bye.